The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 75 of the podcast or you're watching it on YouTube. And if you are, you're seeing the nifty little nameplate I got on here now. I'm so technologically advanced. Uh, I'm joined all the way in snowy New Jersey by my co-host, Jeff. Yeah, Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing this Sunday evening, my friend? Bill, I am phenomenal, and I'm glad we got the first snowfall of the season up here in Jersey and New York. Um, I got to be honest with you, Bill. I always enjoy the first snowfall. I think that everything looks just really beautiful covered in white. But uh, it's going to suck probably Tuesday when I have to drive in this shit. Yeah, everything looks really beautiful covered in white, especially porn stars. Uh, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm enjoying the snow from a distance myself, although it did uh... – drop all the way down to a bitter 55 degrees here in safety harbor florida uh so i did have to turn the heat on but i found out it works so there's that uh so we're coming off a really exciting fight night but man i gotta tell you jeff i'm running out of steam here there's been so much mma action to keep up with lately uh i i've pretty much exclusively been watching UFC it it's hard to even follow anything else uh this was an awesome card UFC fight night 123 from Fresno California and the main event was featherweights Brian Ortega and Cub Swanson uh two fan favorites for sure uh Cub Swanson definitely has more name brand equity than Brian Ortega but Ortega undefeated 13 and 0 and, uh, you know, he put the choke on Cub Swanson last night with the, you know, he jumped into a guillotine and then adjusted it as he was going down to the mat and uh, submitted Cub Swanson. Not an easy feat. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that Cub Swanson, he's known as a striker, but he's also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But there are levels to the jiu-jitsu game, Jeff, as you and I well know. What, were you, what was your uh, take on this main event? last night super impressed with brian ortega bill uh not only did he get a very very nice submission in the second round he ended up readjusting the guillotine because it looked like it was slipping and if you see the replay you see him using the cage to readjust his legs too it was awesome brilliant octagon awareness awesome control of his body and uh bill leading up to that i didn't think ortega looked in trouble at all it looked like he was doing pretty well in the stand-up he ended the first round with Swanson in a, uh, what's it called, a Darce choke. So that was pretty nice. It wasn't super tight, but, you know, he was getting positions. He looked good on the feed. It looked like he was in control the whole time. Uh, I think we're looking at a really, really bright superstar. I don't think he's had his chance to shine yet, but I think he's going to get there real soon. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought up that Darce choke from the end of the first round. I thought the broadcasting team – kind of exaggerated a little bit with how tight that was. Uh, I didn't think Cub 
I, he had a real panicked look on his face, but I didn't think he was in any danger of being submitted, especially with the amount of time given, uh, because uh, Ortega was basically upside down. They were basically, their heads were aligned, uh, and, and you want to be off to the side and, and hooking your opponent's leg to finish that. And I'm kind of surprised to hear Paul Felder uh, doing the broadcasting and, and saying how close it was when he was in a Darce choke that was way deeper just a week ago. <laughs> and <laughs> so to hear him kind of say like, oh, wow, he barely got out of that one. Uh, you know, the, the Darce choke that Paul Felder was in last week uh, by the hands of Charles Oliveira, I thought was a lot tighter. Um, I didn't think Cub Swanson was in any real danger there, but I think the look on his face was, oh, shit. I'm on the ground with somebody that's a lot better than me. And if you spend a lot of time grappling, you can kind of tell, like once things go to the ground, you can tell almost instantly uh, if someone's going to have the upper hand with you. Um, and, you know, they, they may not necessarily be a better grappler than you, but they just, you know, they, they have your number. And, and it's pretty easy to tell when they do. So I, I think that, kind of explains the look on Cub Swanson's face. Uh, hard to say what's going to be next for Cub Swanson because that was the last fight on his UFC contract. Dana White was yelling at him <laughs> into the cage after this fight, and he said, let's make a deal happen here. Uh, so he really wants to sign him, but uh, it's hard. Cub Swanson said himself it's going to be hard for him to have any leverage because they're going to throw right in his face that he's not able to win uh, big fights, which, you know has been the case with him, even when he had title fights in uh, in WEC. For those who remember those days, I think he was knocked out by Jose Aldo in eight seconds, something like that. Um, so he's, he's not necessarily known for uh, being able to handle main event fights or high-pressure fights. Uh, what do you see next for Cub Swanson, Jeff, before we get to what's next for Brian Ortega? Yeah, Bill, uh, it's hard to say because, like you said, Swanson, he's kind of in a tight spot here. He hasn't won any uh, big fights, like you said, main event fights. But in his defense, I mean, that WEC comment you made, I mean, in those days, Jose Aldo was knocking out everybody. So it's kind of hard to, to argue against that. But, Bill, um, I really liked how Ortega looked last night, man. Cub Swanson, you know, as much as as much trouble as he's had in some main event fights, he's still a game opponent all the time. So I thought Ortega looked phenomenal in there. And uh, my question to you, Bill, is who do you put next in there with Ortega? Because I kind of have a pick. Uh, knowing you, we're usually on the same wavelength, so I want to see what you have to say before I give you who I think uh, Ortega should be in there with next. Huh. Well, I mean, he just took out a top contender, um, and he did say that he's willing to wait around for the title fight uh, with uh, the winner of Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. He said you know, he's willing to step aside because Frankie Edgar's the number one contender, and then he would like to see the winner of that uh, I kind of would like to see him in there one more time uh, before he gets that title shot. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's been beyond impressive in the UFC. I think he's got five fights, five finishes. Um, and he keeps getting better every time we see him. Uh, and I, I thought he did pretty well on the microphone this time as well, which is not something he typically does. I like how he said that he wants to make more money in the UFC so he can give back more to underserved communities because that's what made a difference in his life. I think that's 
awesome. Uh, it's not something you hear a whole lot, and I think it's really great that he wants to do that. Uh, man, part of me wants to say maybe he can put Jose Aldo out of his misery, but I don't know. I don't know who would want to see that. Um, what's the, what's the name you have on the tip of your tongue, Jeff? Bill, actually, it's funny you say that because Jose Aldo was, uh, was one of my choices. I'd actually love to see that matchup as well, Ortega versus Aldo. But the other name I was thinking, Bill, uh, maybe you disagree, but if Lamas wins his next fight, I'd love to see him take on Ortega Ooh. because I'm with you. I would like to see Ortega get in another fight with a top contender before going for the belt. But I think uh, Lamas-Ortega would be an awesome fight to put on. Yeah, that that would be very interesting um, because Lamas is a big puncher and he's an awesome wrestler, so it would be hard for Ortega to get it to the ground. Uh, that would be an awesome fight. I like that pick. Um, so the while we're on the topic of the lightweight division, so someone uh, got away with a victory by the skin of their teeth, uh, <laughs> pun intended here. So uh, Gabriel Benitez took on Jason the Kid Knight last night, and uh, I've been I've been pretty high on Jason Knight since he debuted in the UFC, and I'll always remember it because it was episode two of this podcast uh, was when Jason Knight made his debut and he was on the prelims of some card. I can't even remember what the card was. I think, I think it might've been Holly Holm, Valentina Shevchenko, possibly. Uh, man, it was well over a year ago. In any case, uh, I think the kid is, has great personality and he's got a lot of talent, but I think he was brought up a little bit too quick. Uh, and that's easy to do when someone is so flashy and, and putting people away. Uh, but I think he's a case of someone who was steamrolling lesser guys who were kind of scared to be in there with him. Uh, and, you know, he ran into Gabriel Benitez who, you know, he, he was fighting tooth and nail. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so Gabriel Benitez just outclassing Jason Knight on the feet and Jason Knight was not able to take him down or hold him down. And, uh, he actually fucking bit him. <laughs> and then, so this happened in the first round. He had him up against the cage and I guess Benitez actually accidentally stuck his fingers in Jason Knight's mouth. And then he goes, ow, he bit me. <laughs> and, but you couldn't hear you couldn't hear what happened at first. So the referee stopping the fight and uh, we thought it was like an injury and you know, the ref can't stop the fight for an injury. It didn't look like there was any tape hanging off of Gabriel's glove. So it's like, what the fuck is going on? And then uh, he goes, <laughs> referee Mark Smith goes one point. He bit him. <laughs> one point. He bit him. <laughs> and it was like, What? And apparently he didn't just bite him once. Like he bit, he bit two of his fingers with his mouth guard in. So very unusual. I, I've never seen anything like this in mixed martial arts before. Of course, there's a famous Mike Tyson, Vander Holyfield incident. Uh, and then he, and then he poked him in the eye in the second round. Uh, so I don't know if he was just getting frustrated. I think he was just being sloppy. Uh, because he realized he was he was outclassed there, and then by the third round he was just exhausted. Uh, he 
But no quit in Jason Knight. Uh, you can say that much for him. So what was your take on this fight and, and all the uh, crazy antics that went on along with it, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. Um, I think that that first round, losing the point, I think really threw off Jason Knight. And I felt like he, he kind of... Uh, went into uh, what do you call it like a defeatist attitude and just couldn't get back into the fight I, I don't think he came in with the right mindset he just didn't seem like himself man um yeah and benitez hey he did the right thing man he kept going for the sheen as he kept saying in the post-fight interview <laughs> instead of saying chin um it was awesome uh benitez I like him on the mic, man. He's awesome. But, uh, yeah, dude, he looked really good in this fight. Uh, I'm not too familiar with him, but I think we can put his name on there as someone to look out for because Jason Knight is, you know, he's a good prospect. However, I feel like he just didn't show up. And, you know, this is a fighting sport, and it happens where sometimes it's just not your night. Yeah. Or it's not your night if your name is Knight. <laughs> There's just too many puns in this uh, in this fight, and I, I love it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jason Knight not looking like the same fighter coming off that knockout loss to Ricardo Lamas, who we were just talking about. Uh, so maybe it was that. Uh, maybe he was sick or something. But in any case, uh, it shouldn't take away from the victory of Gabriel Benitez. He looked awesome, and I think we have a new contender in there. So uh, I would assume he would be ranked probably number 15 now because I believe Knight was ranked number 15. So he should just take his spot. That would make sense to me. But what do I know, Jeff? I'm just a guy who drinks whiskey and enjoys watching these things. Uh, so uh, before that, we had a bantamweight fight. There was a lot of bantamweight fights on this card, actually. Marlon Marais and Aljamain Sterling. A lot of people may not know. Uh, there's not a history between these two guys, but there is a history uh, between their two camps. Their two camps are actually very friendly uh, because the jiu-jitsu coaches for each one, respectively, uh, Hikaru Almeida and Matt Serra, are actually both black belts under Hensel Gracie. Uh, and that class of black belts uh, that came up together, they're all very tight. They're all good friends. So Almeida and Matt Serra, obviously, really close Um so it was unfortunate that their fighters had to face each other, but, you know, this is the name of the sport. Uh, there's not a whole lot of camps uh, with fighters throwing their names in the hat, and when you have two guys in the same weight class, it's bound to happen. So Marlon Marais came in to the UFC with a, a lot of momentum. He was knocking guys out left and right. A lot of people were really excited for him, and then he kind of fell flat. Uh, he, he lost a split decision, I believe, or he won a split decision in his first uh matchup i'll double check that uh for those of you who are probably already correcting me as i speak um but uh and then he won a like a kind of a dull decision over john dodson so uh but this is the marlon marais i think people were expecting to come into the ufc uh he was really putting it on aljamain sterling on the feet uh before the knockout happened uh <clears throat> okay, yeah, he had he had the split decision loss to Rafael Asuncao in his in his UFC debut. That's what I was remembering. But before that, he was knocking out everybody. So it, it was kind of a weird situation because Sterling went for like kind of fell down. And he's going for a takedown, and referee Michael Bell separated them. And as Aljamain was trying to get back up, and then Aljo 
just kind of lunged his arms out like he was going to go for a single leg, but he did it from like 13 feet away. And as he came in with like these Frankenstein arms reaching out for a leg that was nowhere within arm's reach, Marlon Moraes just comes through with a knee from hell that uh, knocked Aljamain Sterling unconscious for a considerable amount of time. It was a really scary uh, knockout, and I hope he takes uh, a good amount of time off to recover from this one. What were your thoughts on this fight that ended just a minute, seven seconds into the first round, Jeff? Bill, this fight was nuts. Uh, it was crazy, man. Uh, Moraes totally got a highlight reel by accident because he said in the post-fight interview, and this is what it looked like, too, is he said, I was going for a head kick, and my knee just hit him first. And that's what I thought knocked him out, actually, was a head kick because it happened so fast. And then I saw the replay, and it was like the tip of his knee. He was still trying to straighten out his leg for the finish. And, yeah. you know, the shot to the head just put Aljo out, man. I think he woke up into next week's UFC card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully he doesn't appear on that one, pull a Michael Bisping. Uh, but and he takes a, some time off. Uh, Aljamain Sterling has been super active lately and uh, probably needs to rest up a little bit, especially after a devastating knockout like that. And Marlon Moraes, uh just fought like three or four weeks ago. This guy's a fucking animal. Um, and it was a quick, you know, quick night of work for him. So, you know, if he wants to keep staying active, I'm all for it. So you got some. You got some killers sneaking up in this bantamweight division uh, while it's kind of bottlenecked as the champion TJ Dillashaw is trying to get a fight, a super fight with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. So uh, Scott Holtzman edging out or dominating a decision over Daryl Horcher, Eric Anders, and uh, completely dominated Marcus Perez in his UFC debut. Uh, kind of breeze over those two unless you have something to say about one of them. Uh, for the sake of time. And then Benito Lopez and uh, Albert Morales. This fight was like very stop and go. Uh, it, th these guys came out blazing and almost knocked each other out several times in the first round. And then it would kind of go into a lull. And then they would almost knock each other out again. And then nothing would happen for two or three minutes. And then one guy would get rocked. It was kind of a crazy fight. But it wasn't a crazy fight like... Cub Swanson, Duho Choi, where you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. It's like you forget there's a fight going on, and then every now and then you're like, oh, shit, somebody almost got knocked out. Um, so I thought this was this fight was kind of cool. Uh, any comments on any of the three fights I just mentioned, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. I thought the Lopez and Morales fight was actually really exciting. Uh, it was so back and forth. Uh, the second round was a little less suspenseful than the mm -hmm. first round, but uh, they definitely picked it up in the third round. So super fun fight. They had had a little bit of an issue going into this one uh, because they were supposed to fight on a smaller promotion before both being in the UFC. So it, definitely fun to watch. A lot of respect from Benito Lopez uh, to Morales. Uh, I like this guy, man. Uh, he's got the cool hair. Uh, he's pretty humble. He seems like a cool dude. I definitely want to check him out again. Yeah, super young. He looks like he's got a lot of personality. He definitely has an explosive striking style, uh, and he fights reckless, which seems to be the recipe for getting yourself noticed these days. Um, 
you know, maybe not the best style for your health, but you know, it, it will get some eyeballs on you. And that's important. Uh, Alexis Davis and Liz Caramouche had a fucking war. I thought this fight was great. Alexis Davis's face was a mess after this. It was swollen. She had like, she didn't have a hematoma like her. A hematoma had a face <laughs> attached to it is more what it looked like because this, this, uh, for those who don't know what a hematoma is, basically a giant blood pocket that forms under your skin. Uh, I think Mark Hominick has the most famous looking one. If you Google image uh, Mark Hominick, uh, you probably won't even have to Google more than that, and, and you'll see the, the fucking softball coming out of his face. Uh, in any case, I kind of thought Alexis Davis would come away with this one, but I could see somebody thinking otherwise just because of how she looked at the end of it. Uh, and when Liz Caramouche was landing, uh, you know, it was nasty. She was doing a lot of damage. But I thought Alexis Davis was kind of controlling the fight on the ground, and she had some really close submission attempts. She almost armbarred uh, Liz a couple of times. How did you score this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I had this one for uh, Alexis Davis going into the end of the fight. Uh, I know the crowd was upset and booing. I thought that was totally uncalled for. I don't know why they were doing that. But this was a close one, man, but I had it for Alexis Davis. I thought she was doing a good job from the bottom. I thought she was being very active. Uh, I think she really surprised me, man. Carmouche is a really tough chick. I thought Carmouche was going to just come in there and run right through her, but uh, Davis put on a really good fight, and they both looked really good at 125. I like that they're adding some, uh, some more – uh, fighters to this roster of 125ers. It's looking like a lot of fun. So uh, new girls getting new chances. Well, not new girls, but women who have maybe struggled a little bit in the bantamweight division, uh, especially Liz Carmouche. Uh, it was hard for her to get a title shot again after losing to Ronda. But I'm glad that she's at 125. I want to see both of these girls in there again at 125. Yeah, for sure. A lot of great points there, Jeff. And it kind of speaks to uh, how the level of talent has changed because Liz Carmouche, somebody who, if anybody gave Ronda Rousey a problem in her heyday, it was Liz Carmouche. Um, you know, she she put it on Ronda in the beginning of their fight. Um, so, you know, you would think if she was able to do that to Ronda Rousey, who at the time was you know the baddest female walking the face of the earth in a lot of people's minds, uh, you would think that you know, dropping down a weight class, she would be dominant, but it just goes to show how far the level of talent has come in, in women's mixed martial arts. And a lot of that is due to the fact that you're seeing a lot more women become involved in, in WMMA. And a lot of that has to be credited to Ronda Rousey because she's the one who brought eyes to it and, you know, convinced Dana White basically to, except women fighters. And uh, while I'm on this, I usually don't like to go off on tangents, but I did see the preview uh, for the Holly Holm cyborg fight, which I believe is UFC 219 next month. You're not in your head. Yes. So I guess I'm correct on that. We'll take that as gospel. Um, <laughs> and in the preview, now this is a subtle thing I noticed but they mentioned Ronda Rousey by name. And 
I don't think they had done that before in an actual commercial to promote Holly Holm. Now, I'm wondering if they did this because Ronda Rousey recently announced that she is basically signing with the WWE and she's going to go that route. Um, now, obviously, she's still under contract with the UFC, so she can't go and fight and compete anywhere else. Uh, but I guess nothing in her contract is stopping her from doing this. So I'm wondering if the UFC is is kind of doing this as as like a fuck you to her for going to the WWE and not fulfilling the rest of her contract. What are your thoughts, Jeff? And did you notice that in the preview? I actually did not notice that. Uh, I thought they were actually building that up more um, kind of to play on the fact that Ronda and Cyborg never fought each other. Uh, but that's an interesting uh, perspective that you brought in, actually. And, yeah, I'd heard that she was going to sign with the WWE, which I'm pretty excited for. I mean, Brock Lesnar's in there. Um and I've actually seen Kobe Covington in uh, TNA, which is another wrestling promotion. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, seeing kind of the overlap of UFC fighters and WWE wrestlers and the fact that some of these UFC fighters can make a really good uh, raise just by going over to sports entertainment, which is what pro wrestlers would rather you call it, but it's just fake fighting. <laughs> yeah absolutely tremendous athletes those uh fake fighters are uh so uh let's get back to fight night 123 andre sukumta with uh a nasty tko over luke sanders who collapsed uh twice and then right when the referee stopped it he sprung to life uh <laughs> as if somebody had injected him with with adrenaline or something. It, it reminded me of like Pulp Fiction when they stick that thing in, in uh, Uma Thurman's chest when she overdoses and all of a sudden she's like, <laughs> she's all wired. Uh, that's what it was like when Luke Sanders uh, popped back up, but I thought it was an excellent stoppage by Josh Rosenthal. I thought he was clearly out. And then, you know, he, he jumped back up and was really pissed, but awesome win for Andre Sukumtat. Uh, and then I'm, I'm just going to breeze over. A, I'm going to summarize a couple of these, Jeff, and you tell me which ones uh, stuck out to you. Alex Perez, who is uh, the second of three people named Perez on this card, uh, with an anaconda choke over Carlos John de Tomas in the second round. But before that, uh, he was just putting on a clinic with de Tomas. Uh, he was just manhandling him everywhere the fight went uh, until – ultimately getting the decision and let's see a big KO for uh, Trevin Giles uh, in the opening bout on the card over Antonio Braga Nito. So out of those three finishes, Jeff, uh, what's, what stands out to you? Bill, unfortunately the only finish I saw out of these three was the Alex Perez over Carl's John de Tomas. Uh, good finish. It was a nice uh, Darce choke. Sorry, I blanked out there for a second. But, yeah, it was a nice Darce choke finish. Uh, John DeTomas, just like you said, man, he just got manhandled over two rounds. Uh, you could tell that the grappling was miles and miles uh, apart. So good win for Perez. Then we go back and watch that one because it's the only one I watched. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, the Sukumtat knockout was was pretty interesting, um, just because of the way he was. Luke Sanders was like knocked down to the ground, and at the second, like the referee was like called it off, and then he stood up, and Sanders stood up with him and stood up in his face, and was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine." Uh, but yeah, interesting fight. So. Um, Anything else on this card before we move along to uh, other things here, Jeff? No, I thought this this card was definitely pretty exciting, especially the main card. But other than that, uh, I think we covered all our bases here, Bill. Yeah, I, I said last week that I was considering taking a week off just because we had the two fight cards that were so incredible last week. It was such an emotional roller coaster. Uh, now we had this card, and then next week we have fight night on Fox in Canada, up in Winnipeg, and it's headlined by Robbie Lawler and Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, how could you not want to watch that fight? Uh, but before we dive into that, I want to tell you about the rest of my night last night, Jeff. I was sending you some pictures. So I have to bartend this party. It's a private party next week, and uh, the, the request was for Pisco Sours. Now, I had never, I've made a lot of drinks. Uh, you know, if, if you listen to the show, you know I make a lot of drinks. Uh, usually not too many cocktails, uh, but, you know, I, I, I know a lot about alcohol. So who better to bartend your private party than the host of MMA on the Rocks? But I went out, I bought a bottle of Pisco, Jeff. Pisco is a South American liquor. It's considered kind of a brandy, like an unaged brandy, and it's made from grapes. So you make wine out of grapes, right? And then the leftovers you can make moonshine out of if you're so inclined. And then the leftovers of what you make the moonshine out of you can essentially use to make pisco. Very popular in Peru and Chile. So, and they kind of argue over, you know, who has ownership of, of this drink. Uh, it seems like nobody else in the world really wants to claim it, but Peru and Chile insist that uh, Pisco is theirs. So I, I'm going to have to say that it, I've only ever heard of it as being a Peruvian liquor, but the research I've done says that uh, Chile lays claim to it as well. So it's kind of harsh it because keep in mind it's somewhere in between wine and moonshine, Jeff. So it basically is like an unaged brandy. It's got it's got a real bite to it. It's a really high proof spirit. Uh, it can be a little bit fruity, but what you do with it, the most popular thing you do with it is you make something called a pisco sour. Now we've all had whiskey sours, I'm sure, or amaretto sours. Those are the more popular uh, kinds of sours. So. There's different kinds of recipes, like some say lime juice, some say lemon juice. So I tried both. I preferred it with lemons. Uh, so fresh squeezed lemons, and then I made a simple syrup, which the way you do that, you take equal parts sugar and water, and you can heat it, but a better way to do it, especially if you want to make the cocktails right then, is just take equal parts sugar and water, put it in a jar, put a lid on the jar, and shake it up for about a minute. And then you have a simple syrup. So I take the Pisco about two parts Pisco to one part uh, lemon juice. 
and then I add another part of simple syrup. And uh, here's the odd ingredient, Jeff. It's egg whites. So you take one egg and you separate the yolk from the whites and you add the egg whites right into your cocktail shaker. And you got to shake it pretty vigorously. And what happens is the egg white creates like a foam. And uh, for those of you who are wondering what I'm talking about, you can check out the pictures on Instagram or on Twitter at MMA on the Rocks. Uh, I posted some pictures of the drinks I made last night. Uh, and that's it. You shake it up pretty vigorously, and then you add some ice. You shake it a little more, and then you pour it into glass. And on top of the egg white foam that forms at the top of the glass, just add a little bit of uh, aromatic bitters, and uh, that's it. And I got to tell you, Jeff, I don't normally get hangovers. In fact, I never really get hangovers. I had a little bit of a headache this morning because I had a few of these because I was going through trying to get the recipe just right, and they have a lot of sugar in it. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of you know that really sugary drinks like mojitos and things like that are, will give you more of a hangover because they dehydrate you more uh, than just alcohol, which is why uh, you know I'm trying to regulate my system again here, Jeff. I'm just drinking some Jim Beam uh, neat in a glass so I can kind of get, you know, get my organs uh, working properly again because I feel like, I feel like uh, this was an unexpected shock to my body. So what are your thoughts on the Pisco Sour, Jeff? Do you think it sounds up your alley? Bill, you know I like my sugary drinks, man. As much as I don't like to admit it, I am. I, it's one of my guilty pleasures, man. So I would. I'm definitely gonna. You're gonna have to make me one of these next time I'm down there. Yeah, you got it, man. I think I got the recipe down, so I'll let you know uh, the feedback I get from the party next week. And uh, yeah, when you come down, I'll I'll fix one of these up for you, and I'll have plenty of Jim Beam on hand as well. Uh, those of you who've been listening for a long time know that Jim Beam is my go-to. It's got to be the best bang for your buck. I'm sitting here. This is like, Jeff, you know, as long as you've known me, I've always had one of these <laughs> giant handles of Jim Beam uh, in the house. It's just like, you know, it's comfort bourbon, really, because I, I feel like I can just like throw it back and, and not have to worry about going broke because, you know, it's it's easy on the bank. So best bang for your buck, Jim Beam bourbon. Uh so, have you uh, have you been sipping on anything interesting since the fruit nippers incident of oh, 2017? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that uh, that was not one of my finest moments, Bill. I definitely screwed that one up. But um, Friday night, I went out with some friends. We went to Red Robin, and I had a um, a Sam Adams seasonal. So I asked what they had, and they had winter. So I was okay. like. Oh, excuse me. Solid. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, I'll try it. Good stuff, man. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was smooth going down. It had a nice color to it. It was like a caramel color, which uh, I always like those those color beers, those like um, kind of, what do you call it, caramel, um, a little bit darker beers. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was going really well with the burger I was having. And it was just – Sam Adams is one of my go-tos for beers, man. Uh, always enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Can't go wrong with Sam Adams. They put out a lot of great stuff. They were like one of the innovators with the craft kind of 
flavored beers. Uh, yeah, their their winter lager is really nice. I haven't had that in a while. I might have to pick up some of that. But yeah, whiskey, beer, and uh, women, all the best ones come in uh, caramel color. So, uh, <laughs> thing along, we got Big Fox next week. UFC on Fox 26, headlined by Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Anjos. Not a whole lot of hype behind this card, although I can't understand why. Uh, this is a really exciting card. There's some really interesting matchups on here. Uh, the co-main event is going to be Ricardo Lamas and Josh Emmett, which I think is going to be a really great fight. Josh Emmett, last-minute replacement, of course, for Jose Aldo, who had to step up and take the title fight against Max Holloway last week. Uh, that didn't work out so well for him. Uh, I don't know how he would have done against Lamas. I'm still kind of interested in that fight. Uh, but now you got me interested in Lamas and Ortega. So now I'm kind of hoping Lamas pulls away with this one. But, uh, you know, never underestimate the guy who steps up last minute, especially if he's 12-1 and one like Josh Emmett. Uh, so any thoughts on the main event or the co-main event here, Jeff? Bill, listen, man, this card looks awesome. I think this could be a pay-per-view, man. You've got Lawler versus Dos Anjos in the main event. I think that the winner is definitely uh, in the title argument. Uh, I really want Lawler to win. Uh, I want him to get that rematch against Woodley. And uh, because, you know, him being basically run through by Woodley is not something that happens very often. So I think uh, we need to replay that one. Uh, Ricardo Lamas versus Emmett looks really, really good. Uh, like I said, I'd like the winner to get – I'd like for Lamas to get Ortega if he wins. And then, Bill, the fight that I'm probably most excited for is Ponzinibbio versus Perry. Uh, both of these guys are awesome on the feet. And I think this is going to be a showstopper, man. I think this is going to be fight of the night. Yeah, for sure. I think it, in their last five fights, these guys both – have three or four knockouts each. Uh, this fight is going to be fucking crazy. Uh, Ponzinibbio coming off that nasty KO uh, over Gunnar Nelson in July. And uh, Mike Perry coming off of the knockout of uh, whoever that lightweight guy was he fought in his last fight. But, um, yeah, somebody's going to sleep in this one. Uh, I don't see any two ways about it. This is a really exciting matchup. Uh, I don't know why more people aren't talking about this because this is going to be a fucking crazy fight. Um, and then the rest of this card is pretty stacked. you got a lot of sleepers on here. You don't have, you know, a lot of guys who talk a lot of shit. you you got a, a lot of fighters who kind of like, you know, they, they pack their lunch box and go to work. Um, but Glover Teixeira and uh, Misha Serkinov, that's going to be a crazy fight. Jan Blakovich and Jared Cannonier, that'll be nuts. Julian Marquez and Darren Stewart. Julian Marquez, of course, a standout from the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, he he was one of the uh, one of the biggest standouts from that show. I know you didn't see too much of it, Jeff. Uh, Tim Elliott and Piet, the undefeated Pietro Mega. I think it was supposed to be Tim Elliott and Darren Elkins, which would have been a fucking amazing fight, but Darren Elkins had to pull out and then you got Abel Trujillo and John McDessie. That'll be a sick fight. Those are two guys who love to slug it out. Uh, Jordan Mean and Eric Silva. Those are two really nasty guys. Eric Silva looks like he's back uh, to his old ways. Uh, 
what's jumping out to you, Jeff, out of all those things? I, I know I just threw a lot at you, but uh, what's, what's kind of wetting your palate here? Yeah, but uh, all of them look awesome. Uh, I I like the Cannoneer versus Blakovic fight. Uh, that one looks really good. But the two that stand out to me the most are definitely Trujillo versus Macdessi. I think that one's going to be a barn burner. And Teixeira yeah. versus, uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Cherkanov or Cherkanov. But uh, that one looks really, really good, man. Uh, Misha Cherkanov is, uh, he's been really solid in the UFC, man. He's got, I believe, three or four submissions and a knockout on his resume so far in the UFC. So uh, he's been good. His only setback in his most recent fights has been, I think it was Ozdemir. Uh, it was. It was Ozdemir who knocked him out in the first round. But up until then, man, he was on fire. So uh, interesting. I think Teixeira has been on a little bit of a skid, man. Uh, he has not been doing too well. Lost to, uh, what's his name? Alexander Gustafson in his last fight. So uh, I think it's going to be a long road back uh, for him. But I think he's off to a good start if he can beat Sirkinov. So this is going to be a really exciting card, man. Up and down, this this card looks awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the one thing I passed over, Alawale Bangbose coming back on this card. Really explosive, uh, kind of a scary dude. Uh, He's fighting Alessio de Chirico. Dicharico. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. All right. Only one more thing I wanted to get to uh, on the program tonight, Jeff, and that is UFC middleweight champion George St. Pierre has relinquished his middleweight title. And that's it, man. What do you think about this? Supposedly, he said he's got some medical issues. He's got uh, colitis, I believe. And Hey, he doesn't want to defend the belt, and he's giving it up. So, uh, obviously, he had no intention of ever defending this title, even though it's part of his contract. Uh, and the thing with contracts is they can make a fighter say, you have to fight X amount of times, but if the guy doesn't want to fight or the guy's not physically able to fight, you can't wave a piece of paper in front of his face and say, you know, you got to get in a cage with somebody else because you signed this piece of paper. Um uh, there, there's just no contract that is legally binding enough to get that done. So what are your thoughts on uh, GSP taking the title from Bisping and then just throwing it away? You know, at first I was pretty upset. I was mad thinking, you know, GSP is has a contract saying he has to fight at least three more times. But at the same time, Bill, this dude is probably one of the greatest of all time, man, uh, to be out for four years and come back and win the belt. The only other man who's done that is one of my personal favorite fighters, Dominic Cruz, uh, hashtag Dominator. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I feel like GSP has nothing to prove to anybody, man. Um, I think that ultimately this was all about proving it to himself that he could still do it, and he proved that he can. So I, I feel like he owes nothing to anybody uh, none of the fans, I don't think he owes anything to. Uh, he's been entertaining us for years. We've seen him grow. Uh, and I just wanted to give a plug to our man, um, Money Blakeweather, who is doing an awesome series on GSP and his road to glory. If you haven't checked that out, go check him out at the Loaded Joe's podcast. But um, 
uh, yeah, man, I feel like GSP, we've seen him grow from a kid into a legend, man. So while I was mad initially after a few days to kind of let it simmer and let it marinate and think it over, you know, GSP, I think he's making the right move, man. Powerful money, Blake Weather. Yeah, definitely check out that ESP series. Pretty sick. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fucking gangster if you think about it. The guy retires as champion. He walks away. He teases a comeback for like nine and a half years. He comes in. He challenges the champion a weight class above where he retired from. And it's not just one weight class above. Like the difference between welterweight and middleweight is 15 pounds like some of the other ones uh is is less you know there's like or maybe not yeah yeah the lower weight classes is you know 55 45 35 there's only 10 pounds difference so he goes up a weight class 15 pounds heavier comes in beats the champion in dominant fashion and then goes all right i'm done now and then leave and then walks away like how do you have a bigger mic drop than that uh although he hasn't been clear about what he wants to do uh maybe he's gonna heal up he said that he doesn't feel comfortable having that much extra weight on uh so maybe he'll go back to welterweight maybe he'll you know string us along for four years again uh <laughs> and and this will be like his thing uh who knows but he's definitely unlike anyone else to ever do it uh i wouldn't that and that's not me saying that he's the greatest to ever do it but he's definitely different from anyone who has ever participated in a sport uh and i don't think you can argue that at all because he's done things that nobody else has done and he has certain behaviors that nobody can really explain not even him uh but yeah, he's like, I, I took, take the welterweight belt and then I'll, I'll just give it up and then I'll come back in four years and I'll take the middleweight belt and then I'll just give it up. You know, I do whatever the fuck I want. I'm George St. Pierre. Deal with it. It's pretty fucking gangster. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything else uh, MMA or alcohol related you want to get off your chest this week, Jeff? Yeah, but one last thing is Bill – Nganu versus Stipe Miocic, it's going to happen. It's looking like it's going to happen in Boston, January 16th, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. I think it's wrong. But uh, Boston, Massachusetts, man, uh, it's looking like it's going to happen. I'm scared for Nganu, though. I think Stipe, I think he can do it, man. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's the recency effect. You've seen Nganu work the most recently, and he had a terrifying knockout over a, a top heavyweight. Um, but you can't forget what Stipe has accomplished in this sport. I mean, he's been he's been knocking guys out for a while and maybe not as flashy of knockouts as Nganu, but, you know, his boxing is extremely solid. And, you know, he has the wrestling. Uh, we don't really know what Nganu's grappling is like. We've never seen him off of his back. Um but at the same time, man, uh, when you have ridiculous knockouts like Nganu has and he's only growing more confident as time goes on, uh, that's a scary thing to deal with. Uh, so I, I think it's a really interesting fight. I don't think I would be able to predict a winner in this one. 
just because there are so many variables at play and uh, so much going into it. But yeah, that's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, breaking it down as we get closer to it. And I'm sure Stipe is anxious to get back in the cage. I know he's had some contract disputes, uh, but hopefully that's all in the past and we can see him get in there and defend the heavyweight title. All right. Is that all you got this week, Jeff? Yep, Bill, that's all I got for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find me. It's at underscore – wait, hold on. No. I forgot, I forgot <laughs> my Twitter handle. <laughs> Bill, you give me the outro. <laughs> it's been a long day. Sorry. All right. So, if you want to get a hold of Jeff, you can get him at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere else on the internet. You can even send me an email, MMA on the Rocks at gmail.com if you so choose. We love hearing from you guys. We love talking about fights. We love knowing what you're thinking and drinking. So send us your drink recommendations and let us know what you think about our commentary on the fights and anything else, life in general. That's all we got for this week. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.